You're listening to a Glassbox Media Podcast. We're thrilled to team up with Acoustic Sheep for a special giveaway. One lucky listener will win a pair of sleep phones wireless, the ultimate sleep headphones, plus a whole year of premium ad-free episodes from I Can't Sleep Podcast. To enter, just follow at Sleep Phones and at I Can't Sleep Podcast on Instagram. Tag your friends in the comments. Each tag counts as an entry, and there's no limit to how many times you can tag. Don't miss out on your chance to enhance your nightly routine with sleep phones and a year of serene listening with our podcast. I'll list the details in the show notes, and all the information you can find about the giveaway will be on Instagram. If you love falling asleep to the I Can't Sleep podcast, I think I know of a brand new show for you to wake up to. The Daily Book Club is a podcast where the host, Otis Gray, reads classic stories every day, one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Hear amazing tales read start to finish. Whether you want to get engaged and wrapped up in fantastic stories that have stood the test of time, or you just want to relax and listen to a great book, The Daily Book Club is there for you to get lost in however you like. Right now, Otis is reading The Enchanted April. In the 1920s, four women, unfulfilled with life, take a chance and abscond to a dreamy medieval Italian castle in the month of April as the flowers bloom. It's a story dripping with wisteria, the beauty of solitude, and an unlikely pursuit of joy in Portofino, Italy. A perfect book to start this season. You can find The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and tune in each morning to hear what happens next. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep Podcast where I read random articles to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. I'm your host, Benjamin Boster. This episode is from a Wikipedia article titled Colossus of Rhodes. As more people discover the benefits of fasting, including weight loss, enhanced mental and physical performance, and improved gut health, the challenge often lies in the daunting prospect of not eating. That's where Prolon comes in, a groundbreaking plant-based nutrition program that nourishes your body while tricking your cells into thinking they're fasting. Developed over decades at the University of Southern California's Longevity Institute and supported by top U.S. medical centers, Prolon is designed to maintain healthy blood sugar levels, support cardiovascular health, and help reduce abdominal fat. However, Prolon is not just a diet. It's a science-driven approach rooted in Nobel Prize-winning medical research. The journey with Prolon begins with a five-day regimen of snacks, soups, and beverages, all crafted to sustain a fasting state. Choosing a nutrition program can be daunting, yet Prolon would be at the top of my list for its convenience, scientific backing, and effectiveness. It's no surprise that thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon to foster healthy blood sugar and cardiovascular health. Right now, Prolon is offering I Can't Sleep listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash I can't sleep. That's P R O L O N life.com slash I can't sleep for this special offer. That's prolonlife.com slash I can't sleep. And thank you to Prolon for sponsoring the podcast. The Colossus of Rhodes was a statue of the Greek sun god Helios. Erected in the city of Rhodes, on the Greek island of the same name, by Charles of Lindus 
in 280 BC. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world, it was constructed to celebrate Rhodes' victory over the ruler of Cyprus, Antigonus I, Monophthalmus, whose son Demetrius I of Macedon unsuccessfully besieged Rhodes in 305 BC. According to most contemporary descriptions, the Colossus stood approximately 70 cubits, or 33 meters high. The approximate height of the modern Statue of Liberty from feet to crown, making it the tallest statue of the ancient world. It collapsed during the earthquake of 226 BC, although parts of it were preserved. It was never rebuilt. As of 2015, there are tentative plans to build a new colossus at Rhodes Harbor, although the actual location of the original remains in dispute. In the late 4th century BC, Rhodes, allied with Ptolemy I of Egypt, prevented a mass invasion staged by their common enemy, Antigonus I Manaphthalmus. In 304 BC, a relief force of ships sent by Ptolemy arrived, and Demetrius, son of Antigonus, and his army abandoned the siege, leaving behind most of their siege equipment. To celebrate their victory, the Rhodians sold the equipment left behind for 300 talents and decided to use the money to build a colossal statue of their patron god, Helios. Construction was left to the direction of Karas, a native of Lindos in Rhodes, who had been involved with large-scale statues before. His teacher, the sculptor Lysopus, had constructed a 22-meter-high bronze statue of Zeus at Tarentum. Construction began in 292 BC. Ancient accounts, which differ to some degree, describe the structure as being built with iron tie bars to which brass plates were fixed to form the skin. The interior of the structure which stood on a 15-meter-high white marble pedestal near the Mandraki Harbor entrance, was then filled with stone blocks as construction progressed. Other sources placed the Colossus on a breakwater in the harbor. According to most contemporary descriptions, the statue itself is about 70 cubits or 33 meters tall. Much of the iron and bronze was forged from various weapons Demetrius's army left behind, and the abandoned second siege tower may have been used for scaffolding around the lower levels during construction. Upper portions were built with the use of large earthen ramp. During the building, 
workers would pile mounds of earth on the sides of the Colossus. Upon completion, all of the earth was removed and the Colossus was left to stand alone. After 12 years in 280 BC, the statue was completed. Preserved in Greek anthologies of poetry is what is believed to be the genuine dedication text for the Colossus. To you, O son, the people of Dorian Rhodes set up this bronze statue reaching to Olympus. When they had pacified the waves of war and crowned their city with the spoils taken from the enemy, not only over the seas, but also on land, did they kindle the lovely torch of freedom and independence. For to the descendants of Heracles belongs dominion over sea and land. Modern engineers have put forward a plausible hypothesis for the statue's construction, based on the technology of the time, which was not based on the modern principles of earthquake engineering. And the accounts of Philo and Pliny, who saw and described the runes. The base pedestal was said to be at least 18 meters in diameter, and either circular or octagonal. The feet were carved in stone and covered with bronze plates riveted together. Eight forged iron bars set in a radiating horizontal position formed the ankles and turned up to follow the lines of the legs while becoming progressively smaller. Individually cast curved bronze plates, 60 inches square with turned-in edges, were joined together by rivets through holes formed during casting to form a series of rings. The lower plates were one inch in thickness to the knee and three-quarter inch thick from knee to abdomen, while the upper plates were a quarter to a half inch thick, except where additional strength was required at joints such as the shoulder and neck, etc. The statue stood for 54 years until Rhodes was hit by the 226 BC earthquake when significant damage was also done to large portions of the city, including the harbor and commercial buildings which were destroyed. The statue snapped at the knees and fell onto the land. Ptolemy III offered to pay for the reconstruction of the statue, but the oracle of Delphi made the Rhodians afraid that they had offended Helios, and they declined to rebuild it. The remains lay on the ground as described by Strabo for over 800 years, and even broken, they were so impressive that many traveled to see them. Pliny the Elder remarked that few people could wrap their arms around the fallen thumb and that each of its fingers was larger than most statues. In 653, an Arab force under the Muslim Caliph Mawiyah I 
captured Rhodes, and according to the chronicle of Theophanes the Confessor, the statue was melted down and sold to a Jewish merchant of Edessa who loaded the bronze on 900 camels. The Arab destruction and the purported sale to a Jew possibly originated as a powerful metaphor for Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the destruction of a great statue. The same story is recorded by Bar Hebraeus, writing in Syriac in the 13th century in Edessa, after the Arab pillage of Rhodes, and a great number of men hauled on strong ropes which were tied round the brass colossus which was in the city and pulled it down, and they weighed from it 3,000 loads of Corinthian brass and they sold it to a certain Jew from Emesa, the Syrian city of Homs. Theophanes is the sole source of this account, and all other sources can be traced to him. The harbor straddling Colossus was a figment of medieval imaginations based on the dedication text mention of overland and sea twice and the writings of an Italian visitor who, in 1395, noted that local tradition held that the right foot had stood where the Church of St. John of the Colossus was then located. Many later illustrations show the statue with one foot on each side of the harbor mouth, with ships passing under it. References to this conception are also found in literary works. Shakespeare's Cassius and Julius Caesar says of Caesar, Why man, he doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus, and we petty men walk under his huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves. Shakespeare alludes to the Colossus also in Troilus and Cressida, and in Henry IV, Part I. The New Colossus, 1883, a sonnet by Emma Lazarus written on a cast bronze plaque and mounted inside the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty in 1903, contrasts the latter with the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. While these fanciful images feed the misconception, the mechanics of the situation reveal that the Colossus could not have straddled the harbor as described in Lempreri's classical dictionary. If the completed statue had straddled the harbor, the entire mouth of the harbor would have been effectively closed during the entirety of the construction. And the ancient Rhodians did not have the means to dredge and reopen the harbor after construction. Also, the fallen statue would have blocked the harbor, and since the ancient Rhodians did not have the ability to remove the fallen statue from the harbor, it would not have remained visible on land for the next 800 years, as discussed above. Even neglecting these objections, the statue was made of bronze, 
and engineering analyses indicate that it could not have been built with its legs apart without collapsing under its own weight. Many researchers have considered alternative positions for the statue, which would have made it more feasible for actual construction by the ancients. There's also no evidence that the statue held a torch aloft. The records simply say that after completion, the Rhodians kindled the torch of freedom. A relief in a nearby temple shows Helios standing with one hand shielding his eyes, similar to the way a person shields their eyes when looking toward the sun. And it is quite possible that the Colossus was constructed in the same pose. While scholars do not know what the statue looked like, they do have a good idea of what the head and face looked like, as it was of a standard rendering at the time. The head would have had curly hair with evenly spaced spikes of bronze or silver flame radiating, similar to the images found on contemporary Rhodian coins. While scholars generally agree that anecdotal depictions of the Colossus straddling the harbor's entry point have no historic or scientific basis, the monument's actual location remains a matter of debate. The floor of the fortress of St. Nicholas, near the harbor entrance, contains a circle of sandstone blocks of unknown origin or purpose. Curved blocks of marble that were incorporated into the fortress structure are considered too intricately cut to have been quarried for that purpose, have been posited as the remnants of a marble base for the Colossus, which would have stood on the sandstone block foundation. Archaeologist Ursula Vedder postulates that the Colossus was not located in the harbor area at all but rather was part of the Acropolis of Rhodes, which stood on a hill that overlooks the port area. The ruins of a large temple, traditionally thought to have been dedicated to Apollo, are situated at the highest point of the hill. Vetter believes that the construction would actually have been a, a Helios sanctuary, and a portion of its enormous stone foundation could have served as the supporting platform for the Colossus. In 2008, the Guardian reported that a modern Colossus was to be built at the harbor entrance by German artist Gerd Hoff, leading a Colonia-based team. It was to be a giant light sculpture made partially out of melted-down weapons from around the world. It would cost up to 200 million euros. In December 2015, a group of European architects announced plans to build a modern colossus bestriding two piers at the harbor entrance, despite a preponderance of evidence and scholarly opinion that the original monument could not have stood there. The new statue, 150 meters tall, five times the height of the original, would cost an estimated $283 million funded by private donations and crowdsourcing. The statue would include a cultural center, a library, an exhibition hall, 
and a lighthouse all powered by solar panels. As of October 2018, no such plans have been carried out and the website for the project is offline.